0: Out how you can pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. Pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. An open phone line has been established for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-326-7765 now. Drivers who are covered will not have to pay for covered repairs again. This protection plan is at an all-time low. Additionally, drivers who activate
1: this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental
2: options at no additional cost. Call us for your free quick quote today.
1: 800-326-7765. That's 800-326-7765. What do you have to lose? Call 800-326-7765.
2: Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton. This is the Shane Dennis Show on the new ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. And it's a hump
3: day. Happy Wednesday. Happy noontime. It is episode 422. Shane Dennis Show, Jack Johnson producing and contributing as well. Here's how you can enjoy us in ways that you aren't already now. You can call us, 316-669-4996. You can text us, 316-247-0923. I'll see it. Pat with the pulse will see it. Jack will see it. And we may read it on the air if it's topical and radio-friendly. Tell your smart speaker. To play KKGQ 92.3, 92.3 on your FM dial, tune in on your phone, ESPNWichita.com on your device, laptop, or computer. Follow us on Twitter, be our friends on Facebook. We're at our Riverfront Stadium studio. It is February 15th, 46th day of the year. There are 319 days remaining in 2023. We are heading for a high today in Wichita of merely 45 degrees. All right, today we need to review and rewind the K-State-OU game and the KU-Oklahoma State game. Mixed results from the teams from the state playing in the Sooner State. Also, what's next for EB, Eric Biennemi? We did a what's next for Spags yesterday. We will discuss what's next for EB and a little bit deeper dive into the Chiefs offense and what potentially will be returning and who might be walking. We'll take a look at the contracts of the offensive players for the Kansas City Chiefs in the aftermath of their Super Bowl victory parade going on as we speak in KC. I'll ask Jack about that here in just a little bit. Also, a Twitter question has to do with Major League Baseball rules. Spring training, pitchers and catchers have reported. Headlines, we will talk a little bit about pitchers and catchers reporting and Major League Baseball coming up at 1 o'clock in those headlines. What a moment. Wham, 125. And then I'm old Jack, uh, Jack Young, like usual, at the midpoint. Well, actually, we're past the midpoint of the month because February doesn't have 30 days in it. So February 15th, I'm old Jack's young coming up at the end of the show. We'll have some cross talk with Pat, like we always do. And then the pulse will take over from two to four right here on your very favorite channel. All right. Uh, Jack, first of all, before the uh, moment of levity, a little quiet up there in the studio at union broadcasting right now, (laughs) the lights in the lobby were off. If that tells you. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) I am one of the, The
0: few breathing human beings in the studio today, as everybody, of course, is is down there at Power & Light, the Parade Route Union Station, broadcasting live. So, still working, and just working up from here, because we got to make sure the Wichita Show's uh, hit a home run today, with lots of great coverage.
3: Hell yeah. Now, if you had to guess, you don't have to name names. Besides you, who's actually in the building that you're in? How many? I thought I heard
0: Marco's voice at one point, which I don't know why Marco would still be here, because... If I was doing the border patrol, my butt would be home by by ten home thirty, in back bed. in bed, taking um, a nap. Yeah, I think Beards is probably here because he would have he would have to be running the board. But I just didn't go turn the corner and look down the hall yeah. to see if he was there. But my guess is it's Beards and I. But I'll <laughs> so take a stroll. Uh, under three, break. though. I would say under three. I haven't gone back to the sales annex, so maybe there's somebody in sales that's still here. But it's quiet today. I don't wow. mind it though. I like I like quiet offices.
3: Yeah, no doubt. And it's at this point uh, of this show every single day. I'm in here all by myself. So, yeah, it's, it's quiet in here, too. Um, all right. So, uh, moment of levity, Jack. Fire away if you got one.
0: I started crying when my dad was cutting onions. Man, onions was... Ah, oh, dang it. Was such a great cat.
3: Whoa, <laughs> I, what? <laughs> Say that again. Say that again. Was I cutting onions. I well, started yeah, crying
0: but- when my dad was cutting onions. Man, onions was such a great cat.
3: Oh my God, that's sick. <laughs> I got a uh, tongue
0: twister saying onions and onions back to back.
3: That was, that was okay though, <laughs> redeemable, um, cause it was dark. It's February 15th. It is, uh, this is my favorite day of the year. I didn't know it. Singles Awareness Day. It reminds us, Jack, that there's nothing wrong with being single. In fact, The day after Valentine's Day points out all the ways that singledom benefits our communities and more. Huh. Celebrate your singleness. Join other singles for coffee, dinner, or other events. But if you're not single, don't overlook the singles in your life. Include them in your activities. They may not be seeking a life partner. But they do like to be included. Present company, not counted. Uh, it's also National Gumdrop Day. And it's National Wisconsin Day. Jack, which state of the union was Wisconsin? 31. 30. Oh, How am I always one-off? You are... <laughs> All around these states. Uh, What's the, what's Wisconsin called? The what state? The cheese state? No, great guess, but no, I can't believe it's not. Don't overthink it.
0: The badger state?
3: Yes, yes. The badger state. Very good. Tomorrow, two more days to tell you about on February 16th. February 15th in celebrated history, Walt Disney's animated film Cinderella, 1950, opened in theaters. In 1965, it's a pretty big day in Canada, they officially inaugurated its maple leaf flag in a public ceremony. you telling me the maple leaf flag is only 58 years old? It's crazy. Birthdays, Susan B. Anthony, 1820. What can you tell me, Jack, about Susan B. Anthony?
0: Women's suffrage. Yes. I paid attention in history. Also,
3: anything else? You know she's on a coin? I did not, actually. Isn't she on a dollar? I think she's on a coin. I don't have many dollar coins. In fact, I know she's on a coin. Well, no, and they make them differently now. Okay. But I think she's on a coin. And uh birthday of Matt Groening. Is that how you pronounce his last name? He's the Simpsons guy. He created uh, the Simpsons and Futurama. 1954. For old Matt. All right, last night. Uh, not a good game for Kansas State. OU 79, K-State 65. And Jerome Tang's boys... Couldn't stop anybody. OU shot fifty one percent in front of a mere fifty one hundred sixty seven at the Noble Center. OU saw saw five different players hit at least one three pointer, including three each by Grant Sherfield and Milos Uzan. Sooners tied an opponent season record or season high this year with eleven. Threes made, 47.8% beyond the arc. It was a pretty forgettable game for K-State all the way around. Normally, they're very good defending the three. They weren't last night. And that win for OU got them to 3-10 and 10 in the Big 12, and they'd lost four straight. Meanwhile, K-State falls to 19-7, and 7-6 seven, seven and six in the Big 12 as they kind of – been limping to the finish line a little bit. Uh, Naquan Tomlin had a double-double, 17 and 10. Marquise Noel, Keontae Johnson also in double figures. Grant Sherfield at 22 for OU, leading all scorers. And it was, uh, OU from the start, really. They got out 9 to 2, and then K-State uh, rattled off 11 straight. So there was a little K-State noise in the first 8 or 10 minutes or so. But it was OU's night. And there wasn't a whole lot that that K-State could do about it to slow them down. And they got within 8 with 7 minutes to play after they went on an 8-1 run. But Sooners ran off 9 of the ne- next 10 and led by 16 with 4.50 left. And then the fat lady started singing. So... Um K-State got a little little something to fix. As we head into the stretch run for the Big Twelve, uh in the Big Twelve. Second straight game in the Big Twelve. They lose now seven and six. They've lost lost four of their last five. And five in a row on the road. Uh let's see here. Saturday. They'll host Iowa State at one o'clock, covered starting at 12 right here on the channel. Cyclones won the first meeting 80 to 76. So at the very least, K-State tasked with defending the old home court and especially at this point in the season, take care of business at home, try to stay above 500, get a decent seed in the Big 12 tournament and off you go. Um, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong, in my opinion, but it just goes back to the overall strength of the Big 12, although losing to OU in that manner, um, not ideal. Not ideal. Couldn't stop a team that had lost four in a row and had only won two games inside the conference, but getting a chance to bounce back at home, get their 20th win, as they'll take on Iowa State in the Octagon of Doom. Now, meanwhile, down in Stillwater, you had KU with no such trouble with Oklahoma State, and Kansas scored at a pretty pretty high clip, pretty much all game long. Put up 87 total, led 39 37 and a half, win by 11. Shot 54 percent from the floor, uh, allowed 50 percent. But made eight more baskets than Oklahoma State did, forcing five, uh, 15 turnovers by the Cowboys. And I know by now, whether you're a KU fan or not, when it comes to Grady Dick, Jack, it's hard to differentiate, uh, not differentiate. What's the word I'm looking for? What is more true about Grady Dick? His greatness as a freshman in the Big 12? Or when he goes on the road, the chants and signs pointed at Grady Dick? It's close, man.
0: I'm going to quote Jordan Foote here and say I'm going to take the easy way out and say a little bit of both um, because I think it's, it's hard to – argue that you know there's a better freshman shooter in college basketball. I think that he is one of the best pure shooters that Bill Self has ever had and what's gotten a lot better about his game is attacking the goal off the dribble and I think that has sort of changed him in from a really good freshman to a lottery type of pick because I think everybody looked at yeah. him and said he's going to come in and be a great shooter. He's a three point specialist, but he's so athletic and if he can be that guy that can attack the goal, finish around the goal, that completely alters Ku's offense. At the same imagine time, imagine when
3: he puts on a little weight and fills out a little. Bit oh more. yeah.
0: I mean, you kind of think of the way that Christian Brown started out as a freshman at KU, yeah. he had a lot of upside, but he really beefed up around his junior year, and it was very noticeable in how he was able to hang around the rim, you know, follow his own misses, you know, be a great rebounder. I think that facet of his game is going to improve, but it's going to improve in the NBA. He's only going to be here for one year. There's no chance in hell yeah. Grady Dick would ever come back. Um, but also at the same time, what I'm really impressed with and I think I think we all know the chant that I'm about to bring up here. I can't say it over the live air, but you know, it's a little unfortunate <laughs> yeah. that his last name is Dick. And I think there's so many chants that can go with that. And when you have a bunch of college kids, that have been drinking all day or camping out, they're going to go heckle the guy with the weird last name, or let's yeah. be quite frank about it, they're going to heckle the white guy that looks like a Duke player, right? He's just always going to be that way, and he stands out in this KU lineup. But I think we saw it first against Iowa State, the USD chant, um, mm-hmm. and that I heard it again last night. And you know what? He's 18 years old. And I'm sure it's yeah. not the first time he's heard something like that, but it's a lot different hearing it from five people as opposed to 15,000 people.
3: And, and and by the way, when he's at uh, Sunrise or Collegiate or wherever he was, those those guys don't have the stones to be yelling at that stuff, no. stuff like that. They they you know be kicked I mean? out of the gym,
0: right? Because yeah, you have yeah. the the SID right in front of the, the student section. They're making sure no profanity or vulgar mm-hmm. words are being thrown at one player. I mean, you know, high school uh, that you can't say anything bad. You can't even it overrated re- or something like that.
3: Yeah, and the reason why I bring it up is it seems like he is leaning way into this. Like he, oh, yeah. he seems to like it, and he was quoted after the game as saying, I love it. I love it. Love being in the villain that comes into your barn. Yeah, and
0: I think it's great for KU as well because I think the last time they would have had a player that was genuinely hated this much, because I remember there was a video on Twitter that surfaced when KU went to Manhattan and played K-State. They said the loudest boo of anybody in the starting five was... Grady Dick, who didn't even play them the year before. And you have Jalen Wilson out there who was shushing the crowd last year and and chirping at the students. He didn't get a bigger boo from the crowd. It was Grady Dick. And I think also when you have players that are this good, a part of being a great prospect and having so much potential is how you handle uh, criticism, how you handle hostile environments. And, I I mean, there were games in high school where when I was – Grady Dick's age now, or I was an 18, I was 17, 16, and 17, and you yeah. have, you know, students that you even know or something that you don't know, and they're heckling you and chirping you, it's a little bit intimidating because if you start playing poorly, it only gets worse. But last night in Stillwater, I think that was probably the best game we had seen Grady Dick play. And when he's on, that that's the scary thing for Kansas. When Grady Dick is on and he's shooting the way he was last night, there's nobody in the country that can beat him because you have to close out so hard – and guard him so far yep. away from the goal, and when he can go buy you off the dribble, that's when it becomes dangerous. I go back to last year. Ochai Abaji's game really developed with his off-the-dribble type of scoring. And because he was so good from beyond the arc, you have to defend him out here. And there's very few defenders that can go out there and defend you 30 feet from the basket and hang with you the entire time. And when you're bigger, you're stronger, you're great with ball handling— you're going to have 20, 25, 30-point nights like Grady Dick, I think, had 26 or 27 26, last night. And I would say the biggest game of the year for Kansas. I know that I've said that for about four or five games, but it changes. Last night... After Texas had lost the night before to Texas Tech, you needed that game. You lose last night, it's probably not going to be a Big 12 championship year for you. But now there's a three-way tie for first place. We have college game day on Saturday against Baylor. That game, to me, of all the environments, that was scary because Oklahoma State had won 7 of 8. They had just beaten Iowa State and Hilton. That was a red-hot Oklahoma State team. And KU pretty much controlled them in the second half. That, those are the type of performances you see every single year from a late February Kansas team. You know, they'll have their slip-ups in January. The sky's falling. They suck. It's the weakest team that Kansas has ever had. And then they have a performance like this, and you go, oh, damn. No, this team is really, really good. And now you have you have on Saturday Baylor. Then you have, I believe, TCU on the road that Monday then you get back-to-back home games against West Virginia and Texas Tech and that may set up a thriller the season finale against Texas and Austin that may very well decide the Big 12 champion so a great stretch of games for Kansas that is upcoming but when speaking of these two teams of Kansas and Kansas State I think now where Kansas is taking off I think Kansas State's running out of gas a little bit I know you brought him up early on and I saw some great tweets a Little bit of sidetrack here for, for K State just to give some input. Mm-hmm. I saw some great tweets from a lot of the beat reporters. You know, you have Tim Fitzgerald, you have Ryan Gilbert, uh, you have I'm a blame- John Kurtz out there. So a couple of guys I saw tweeting last night through the game and saying, you know, it's ugly. I'm still going to support this team, but you really can tell this team is starting to run out of gas because you know, you had such a great start. You were seventeen and two, and now you're going through that rough stretch, but it's not so much of you know just bad play. I think they look really fatigued. And I saw a great tweet, I think it was from It was from – who was it? Uh, I'm blanking on who it was. It was one of the main K-State B reporters. It basically said this may be kind of the result of Keontae Johnson sitting out for two years, that he hasn't played a full season in a long time. And since he was so great to start the year, then you kind of see in Game 24, 25, 26, the stamina's no longer there. The conditioning's no longer there. And we've talked about this before, Shane, that when Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson go through slumps – They don't have the solidified third or fourth guy to carry that offense. And last night, that was the worst game of the year for Kansas State. And it comes off of losing to Texas Tech, who only had one win in conference play. So it's a little bit of a free-falling time for Kansas State. you got to bounce back rather quickly because you've gone in the standings from tied for first to now bordering on finishing fifth or sixth, which I don't think anybody would have predicted about two or three weeks ago. Jerome Tang still coach of the year? I'm gonna go no. Kind of comes into question now, doesn't it? It does, but I don't think it's really a bad coaching job of what he's done. I think you know at times it's just it's a team that I think really overachieved early on, and I don't think I'm I'm harping on. It's not a bad thing they overachieved, and like KU football, they were an overachieving team. They won their first five games, then finished what was it one and seven. So you you have a a time in the season where when things aren't going well. The little things that you were getting by with, you know, those little mistakes, the turnovers, the lack of rebounding, that doesn't really get magnified until you start losing. And now that we've seen Kansas State lose at a more frequent pace, you're starting to see these things come to light. The turnovers are a big-time problem for Kansas State they really don't give a bleep about the ball. I mean, Marquise Noel turns it over all the time. Keontae Johnson turns it over a lot. Last night wasn't terrible. I think they had 12 turnovers, but they had 24 against Texas Tech. I think they're ninth in the conference in turnovers. It's just not an area where they really shine at. And when you can try to put teams away, you can't be tossing the ball over the court, right, because that allows teams to come back or that allows teams to keep you at arm's length because you can't put together – Consistent possessions over and over and over again. So it's a nerve-wracking time for Kansas State, but I'm not really taking it as, oh gosh, what happened? You know, why are they just now playing so poorly? I think it's that they're fatigued. I think it's that all that greatness that was happening early on, it's wearing off a little bit. And some of these players are worn out, they're fatigued, and the things they were not doing well even during the winning streaks, even during the seventeen and two start, they're just much worse now.
3: Well, and it's a it's a gauntlet, as we've said repeatedly on this sh- on this show. This year, in particular, there are no no nights off uh, in the Big Twelve. So now at the top, KU with that eighty seven seventy six win over Oklahoma State and Grady Dix, twenty six points, ten of seventeen shooting, three way tie for first uh, virtually. Kansas, Texas, Baylor, all nine and four. Is there a quieter nine and four team in the league than Baylor I don't think I've hear, heard a peep about them uh, but anyway there they are all at nine wins Iowa State and K State seven wins right behind them K State with one more loss and now with that Oklahoma State loss they fall to seven and six TCU six and six so they're one game behind as far as games played uh, in the league along with Iowa State they've only played 12 and then Texas Tech and OU at the bottom at 3 and 10 and West Virginia at 4 and 9 West Virginia got swept on their trip to Texas um, actually got blown out in each of the two games that they played in Texas so uh, KU with an impressive victory last night they I keep saying this too they're all impressive inside the conference and KU K-State or KU rather going on the road winning by double figures, Uh, all's well uh, in the KU world yet again, and they have an opportunity to handle their own business, basically, and not worry about anybody else. Funny how that uh, works out. It's a long season, long uh, league season for sure, and now you got Baylor at home. You can separate from them a little bit if you're KU right now, and then – After that, two of the next three are at home against the kind of bottom feeders, and they finish up at Texas. So uh, KU steaming right along, won three in a row after that uh, inexplicable loss to Iowa State where they just couldn't throw it in the ocean, but have since beaten Texas and Oklahoma, of course, at home, uh, blew out Oklahoma at home, and then went on the road to beat Oklahoma State. Baylor coming up next. That'll be a colossal matchup. Uh, it's on ESPN at three o'clock on Saturday. So KU right back in the driver's seat yet again. Took them a while, but there they are 21 and five overall as they put the hammer down on Oklahoma State last night. All right. It is 1224 here on Wednesday, ESPNWichita.com at 92.3. We had a little discussion yesterday about Steve Spagnolo and what's next for him. So we shift our attention to the offensive side, and Eric Bieniemy reports that he is going to go to Washington to interview, or at least visit, about the OC job for the commanders. And is that going to be necessary for him to actually get a head coaching job? Just go somewhere else where you're not with Andy Reid fair or not, we'll discuss. And we'll also take a look at the contract situations of the offensive players for Kansas City going into the offseason. And who should they retain and who should they let walk? What's next for EB Talk next? It's 1225.
2: You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM.
1: What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. Due to recent changes in Kansas law, many more residents are participating in sports wagering. But here's an important reminder to keep the fun in the game. If you're into sports betting, only bet with money you can afford to lose. Don't let problematic sports gambling ruin the game for you. If you or someone you love is already experiencing problematic gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER and ask to be referred to a counselor. This message is brought to you by the Kansas Department of Aging and Disability Services and the South Central Problem Gambling Task Force.
0: Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate
1: on that heavy shelf you hung yesterday. Turns out you didn't use enough anchors. Wait. You didn't use any anchors? (laughs) Now you've got an open floor
0: plan. Trendy. And if you have the wrong home insurance, you could need a wall of money
1: to fix this. So get home insurance with Allstate and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.
2: We're almost to the finish line. The Kansas Collegiate Athletic Conference basketball season is almost over, and teams are trying to get to Hartman Arena in Park City, Kansas, home to KCAC Championship Monday. Join me, Pat Stropman, for our live play-by-play coverage of the road to Hartman Arena. Our final doubleheader takes place Wednesday, February 15th in Wichita as Friends host York. coverage begins at 6 on Wichita's sports leader, ESPN, Wichita, 92.3 FM. Put on my blue
3: suede shoes and I boarded the plane. Touchdown in the land of blue. Welcome back. As the parade slash party rages on in Kansas City, in the aftermath of the Chiefs' Super Bowl win over the Eagles. Just as much chatter as the last four years around Eric Bieniemy this year as well. He is a really, really interesting study. And he is, well, now that season's over, his contract is up. He signed a one-year deal last year to return and there was even some conversation with the media between the media and Andy Reid on Monday about what might be next for Eric Bieniemy. he is uh, believed to have interviewed for 12 head coaching vacancies over the past five years since he uh arrived in Kansas City. Reed said, quote, Eric Bieniemy has been tremendous for us, and I think he's tremendous for the National Football League. I'm hoping he has an opportunity to go somewhere and do his thing where he can run the show and be Eric Bieniemy." End of quote. So he's been at least rumored and, well, not rumored, if he's, If you believe the numbers, that's a dozen interviews to be a head coach since he arrived in Kansas City, and he's never gotten a head coaching job. It's interesting that he is uh, being coveted by the commanders to be their next offensive coordinator, which i got thoughts about here in a second. But they've won the AFC West five straight seasons. The enemy has been... I don't know, depending on how you define his job, and I, I don't think any of us will ever really know, um, offensive coordinators most, most of the time call the plays, but I don't remember, and this is apropos of nothing, but you think about it, I don't remember seeing him on camera or the cameras on him one time during the Super Bowl, and like I said, that probably doesn't mean anything, but if it were undisputed and universally known that he calls the plays as the offensive coordinator, then I think cameras would have been all over him. Or if that perception is that he runs the offense, the cameras had have been all over him, and they'd be, they'd be talking about him. And the camera people would follow Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, if and when they started talking about Eric Biennemi running the show offensively. But apparently they never did, and I don't remember seeing him on camera. So that's just kind of an aside. But, again, he was he was in a similar situation a year ago, signed a one-year deal to return to Kansas City, and now he is in the middle of a parade. But as far as his career is concerned, one of the jobs he interviewed for, was a Colts head coaching job, and that went to Shane Steichen, and he reportedly, the enemy was, in line, well, in line is probably not the best way to put it, uh, in, in play, in the mix, for the offensive coordinator uh, positions for the Titans and the Ravens. And they have been recently filled. So my question to you, Jack, would be, Okay, let's say he goes elsewhere to be an OC uh, just to get out of the shadow of Andy Reid, which I think a lot of people believe is a thing. And other people, although it doesn't sound like quite as many, or at least vocally, believe he's not a very good interview, which would help explain why he's not a head coach yet. But my question to you, Jack, would be, all right, let's say he goes to be the commander's OC. Carson Wentz is probably not coming back, although they have still have a decision to make whether they want him back or not. Should be Sam how Howell. Would you, how would you like running, calling plays for Sam Howell as the QB one?
0: Look, I think Eric Biennemi is in a unique spot right now where if he really wants to be a head coach, he's got to get out from under the shadow of Andy Reid because I don't think anybody truly believes it when Andy Reid says, oh, he's the one calling the plays. You're telling me the greatest play caller in NFL history just doesn't call plays for the Kansas City Chiefs? That's just not a realistic situation. And let's say Eric Bieniemy calls some of the plays. That's an offensive coordinator that calls maybe half the plays. And I think a lot of teams that look at that, they go, all right, is it really Eric Bieniemy or is it Andy Reid? And I think a lot of the front offices – watching football for a long time, understand that Andy Reid and a lot of places that he's gone have turned average quarterbacks into really great quarterbacks and great quarterbacks into Hall of Fame quarterbacks. You saw with Donovan McNabb, Kevin Cobb from time to time. Yeah. You had Alex Smith. There were just games that the Chiefs won with you know an average quarterback. And now they have the elite quarterback. Everything is heightened. Everything looks so much better. But I still think a lot of it is Andy Reid. So I don't think that Eric Biennium is getting passed over because because of his race or because of, you know, that it's a... I don't know, they think he doesn't mesh well with team, teammates or players, because I think Eric Bandman gets along with the players. I, I don't think that's the problem. I think the I main... have a hard time believing
3: he's as bad with players as Shady McCoy said he is, but-
0: Yeah, and I think some players are always gonna rub the wrong way with, with a, a coach, or that just happens. They're all grown men here. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, whereas early on, where you could have looked at it, and I think a, a lot of people's impressions were, Maybe this is about race. Maybe he's not being hired because he is a black coach in the NFL. and They don't want to give him the head coaching job. But now we've seen more and more black coaches be hired and not Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy not even getting offer for that matter. And I think that comes down to, all right, what are his interviews like? How do those interviews go? What are those front offices thinking? And I'm not saying that every single one of them had the same exact opinion as to why they wouldn't hire Eric Bieniemy. Right. But I thought after the, the first Super Bowl – against the 49ers, I thought that's his chance to win a Super Bowl or to get a head coaching job from winning a Super Bowl. And when that didn't happen, I said, all right, it's probably not going to happen. The only way it happens is if he goes elsewhere and that offense still thrives. He goes to Washington, as you just brought up, and the Commanders go 9-8, and but they have a a top-10 scoring offense. He would get a head coaching job because that is doing more with a lot less. Right now in Kansas City, they've got all this superstar talent – and they may look at it and go, okay, well, anybody at the O.C. job could probably make that offense look really good as long as Andy Reid's there, as long as Patrick Mahomes is there. I'm still hoping for the best for the enemy. I hope he gets a head coaching job, but I think we can all kind of come to grips now that it's not going to happen unless he goes elsewhere for an O.C. job and then elevates to a head coaching role.
3: Yeah. However, what's more likely, a top-ten scoring offense for the commanders or middle-of-the-road slash crappy offense under Sam Howell. I think uh, odds would tell you that he's more likely to be in the middle of the pack at best offensively. Look at those weapons in Washington. And by weapons, I'm kind of using air quotes. Uh, Terry McLaurin is about the only star-studded dude for me, for my money anyway. Um, But further... Jack, off the top of my head, I can't think of any of those 12 times, if there were 12, and this is being reported by NFL.com, so I'm sure they're keeping closer tabs on it than than even us. Has he even been a finalist for think, a job?
0: I think the only one we, for an OC job right now, we know no, Washington a no, no, no. finalist for a head coaching job. I don't for think head so. head coaching job. Yeah. I don't think he's made it, that, to our knowledge, very close to it, and... You know, I think you just have to factor in a lot of those things. Like, I, I think when I think it's always going to be tossed around of you know what really goes on behind the scenes. Do they even yeah. really give him a, a good chance? That is where I would be a little bit more critical. If front offices, you know, they'd already hired a guy, they said, "Well, we're going to give him an interview because we were supposed to give him an interview." Like that's different. But if yeah. he is actively yeah. interviewing right. for these jobs and he's being you know interviewed alongside a lot of other coaches and he's just bombing the interviews then that is probably one of the main reasons as to why he's not a head coach. And when front offices bring up, you know, okay, you are under the shadow of Andy Reid. How has he helped you? Who calls all the plays here? And I'm sure you have to be honest here, and I'm sure there's going to have a lot of references, You know, just like with any job opportunity, they'll go to references that you put down on your resume or whatnot and, and say what really goes on behind the scenes, what really goes on at practice, how involved really are you, and I think that's why, to the majority of Chiefs fans, at least me personally and those that I've talked to, I think the overwhelming majority believe, you know, it is a loss if Eric Bieniemy leaves, but it's not a doomsday scenario because Matt Nagy's right behind him. Matt mm-hmm. Nagy's been in OC before, and Matt yeah. Nagy's worked really well with Patrick Mahomes. So I think that's probably another factor in going, Kansas City's not really that worried if they were to lose him. Because they always just have a guy right after him. Yeah. And I think if, if the Chiefs were more desperate to hold on to him instead of sort of preaching him to everybody, that's what Andy Reid does. And he's doing a great job of saying Ed, he deserves Ed a my job.
3: my Kafka not too long ago.
0: Yeah. And I think that when a coach goes out there and says, hey, he deserves a spot, that's a great thing a coach does. He always wants to see his guys succeed and get a job elsewhere. But at the same time, it doesn't really have the feel to me, Shane, like they're, desperate and holding on to him. Every year it's been like, well, he may leave, but if he doesn't, he's more than welcome to be back here as our OC. So if it's it's more so Eric Bieniemy's decision at this point. Does he want to be a head coach? Because moving laterally to another OC job for a worse team doesn't sound appealing, but that to me is the only way he gets a head coaching job. He has to go elsewhere and be kind of the main guy, the one guy calling the plays. And if he does that and it's a good offense and he does it with a bad team then he will get a head coaching job. Because when you see that jump, that opens the eyes of other front offices. The Chiefs' offense has been pretty damn good for five to six years. They have been a number 1 scoring offense. It hasn't really changed. And if Eric Bienemy hadn't gotten a job in any one of those years, what makes you think it's going to be any different in 2024, 2025, 2026?
3: Well, let me just say this on his behalf. If he wanted to be a red-ass... Now, this is after the Super Bowl, obviously, and all the head coaching, uh, the, the head coaching cycle has ended because, you know, if he wanted to be a red ass, the next time I went into an interview to be a head coach, I would point that I just roasted the Arizona Cardinals head coach in the Super Bowl to the tune of 17 fourth quarter points with a quarterback on one good ankle and the Eagles barely laid a paw on him. Um, so put that in your pipe and smoke it. And I'm talking about uh, Jonathan Gannon, who's hired as the Arizona Cardinals head coach and was the defensive coordinator for the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And a little more fuel to the fire, I suppose. According to Chad Henney, have you heard this story? The night before the Super Bowl, Jack, Biennemi met with the offensive players, showed him a play from Philly's game in October against Jacksonville, showed a Jags receiver uh, faking a a jet sweep, you know, goes in motion and stops, reverses, and got open for a touchdown. Biennemi noticed that, according to Chad Henney, told everybody, and they did it not once but twice, and Gannon failed to make the adjustment uh, after – Kadarius Tony's first touchdown, and Sky Moore did it on the other side of the field. So as far as – and if that's true, and I'm not saying that, you know, that would trump any bad interview or something like that, but from the time he got there and if he's getting legit interviews, and you make a good point too, uh, because he's black, there is the Rooney rule, and he probably at least a few of those interviews uh, – a team brought him in just because they had to. But of the 12 interviews that he had, plus if what Chad Henney saying is true, whether he's calling plays or not full-time, uh, to me, should kind of be irrelevant uh, considering what he did to the Eagles in the Super Bowl and what he told Chad Henney. And I'm not saying he's, you know, Revolutionizing the sport. I mean, it's film study and being smart about that. And that's not, you know, otherworldly, but I would say he, unless there's something under the surface that we don't know about, which clearly there is, um, that on the surface, I think he's got the, he's got the chops and he's got the skins on the wall to at least get an opportunity to be a head coach. But in lieu of that going to, Washington, and ramping up that offense under Sam Howell, presumably, would certainly go a long way in in him getting a head coaching job without, without question. But if he wanted to be a red ass, and I wouldn't blame him if he did, you could point to him roasting a current head coach in the Super Bowl when the Chiefs barely got stopped the entire second half.
0: I have one question for you, Shane. And just right. looking at coaching openings here, well, let's take the Houston Texans for example, who hired Lovey Smith last year, right? Fired Lovey Smith, mm-hmm. and now wasn't it wasn't before that it was it was a David Cullen who was there. So then they went from Colin I didn't. I forgot about it. <laughs> to Lovey Smith to D'Amico Ryan's, and you have to think that somebody in the front office had the the name of Eric Bieniemy, you know, be thrown out there. They probably said, "Hey, had Eric Bieniemy would be a great head coach here. It'd be a great." OC, whatever you want to think there, because I think, to the, the common perception, I, I don't think that every single front office has played it the ethical way. I'm sure, just as you pointed out, there were some racial decisions involved of, hey, let's just bring him in. It's the Rooney rule, but we're yeah. not really going to take him seriously. But I don't think it was every one of the 12 teams had that no, same philosophy. Because look at Houston. You know, they, they hired D'Amico yeah. Ryans. They hired Lovie Smith. And my, my thought is, you know, if Eric Biennemi is putting up all these numbers, right? the offense is always great. Why wouldn't teams hire him? Like it's it's like if they really believe he would be the guy, there's no penalty to hiring him. It would be considered a smart hire on the surface because the numbers are there, right? I think everybody would go after Eric Bieniemy, which is why I'm just so interested and so invested yeah. as to what those interviews are like, and that and would do you, answer do you everything.
3: Think maybe the do you think maybe the truth ser, uh, truth serum for all these front offices if they were forced to take some would be it's not as much about Eric Bieniemy. But he's got Patrick Mahomes. Anybody can for do sure. that with Patrick Mahomes. That's that's a sucky stigma right there, if that's the case. And I'm sure that's that plays into it.
0: And it's very unfortunate for Eric Bieni because he can't control that. He's on yeah. the coaching staff. So who's ever the quarterback? Who's ever the running back? The wide receiver? The tight end? The offensive line? That's held by the front office. They're the ones putting those players on the field, and they're making the most of it. And there was the number one scoring offense in the NFL. But I just kind of sit back and go, okay, if D'Amico Rines is going to get hired in Houston and they didn't really care about if it was a black coach or not, you have to think Eric Bieniemy probably crossed their mind at one point and they That's decided. True. D'Amico Ryans would be the better hire, whether he was a better interviewer than Eric Bieniemy, or they'd interviewed Eric Bieniemy before and thought, no, that's just not our guy. It just really makes you wonder what are a lot of these teams thinking? And yes, like Carolina immediately wouldn't got Frank Reich. There's previous ties to Carolina, and he has head coaching experience. And maybe that's another problem, too. I know that sometimes you have coaches that. Uh, are never going to be head coaches. You have guys that never were head coaches and get head coaching jobs because D'Amico Ryans is one of those guys, and he's younger. And I think some front offices that want to stay the experienced route, they go, I don't know if I want to start a rebuild with a guy that's never been a head coach, hence Carolina. Mm -hmm. Carolina looked at it and said, we don't know if we want to chance it on a guy that hasn't done it before. Frank Reich's done it before. He's been successful in Indianapolis. We think we he do it burned in Carolina. By this
3: college boy, Matt Rule.
0: <laughs> yes. So you have guys that are bad hires. Bad hires are always going to happen in the NFL and I truly Definitely. do hope Eric Bieniemy gets a job. I wished Eric Bieniemy got a job last year cuz I wanted Mike Kafka to be in Kansas City, because I wanted Mike Kafka to be the yeah. next guy to take over for Andy Reid. Now that it looks like that's not really a possibility, and your coaching staff is kind of just stagnant right now, which is fine, you won a Super Bowl, hell, I'm not complaining, and Matt Nagy's still on your coaching staff, so if the enemy does take this OC job with Washington... Matt Nagy's right there. And who knows what Matt Nagy is treated like if the Chiefs have another year of a top-three scoring offense. Maybe Matt Nagy gets another head coaching job. So something to watch there. But what always is going to irk me, I think, Shane, for the rest of my life, or as long as I cover this Chiefs team with Andy Reid, bien and Nagy, that entire coaching staff there, is what are those interviews like when he goes out there and interviews those 12 or 13 other teams? How does Eric bien sound? How persuasive is he? Because he – Sounds great in press conferences, right? I
3: mean, I think he says all the right hasn't, things. Hasn't always. He was pretty rough when he first got there. He's getting, be, he's gotten a lot better, I think. But yeah, now that's a sixty-four thousand dollars question. And what's he like in front of uh old white dude? <laughs> that's yeah, the owner of the team. I yeah. mean, that's what it gets. That's what it boils down to. Well, a texter says, uh, "Why leave? You're making money." Uh, going to the Super Bowl and with the best quarterback, I would stay. That's exactly it. He probably wants to find out, can I do it without him? You know, and can I run the show as a head coach? OC is a lot different than being the head coach. All right, it's 1248. When we come back, we'll take a quick look at the Chiefs' offensive free agents. And honestly, they're in pretty good shape as far as I can tell. We'll run down the list. Of free agents coming up this offseason on the offensive side of the ball and put a bow on what's next for EB when we come back at twelve forty-eight.
2: You're listening to the Shane Dennis Show
1: on ESPN Wichita. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible that's because at envision they don't focus on the disability they value the ability they choose not to envision a world without sight but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential learn more at envisionus.com Get in the zone.
2: Auto zone.
1: welcome to autozone what are you working on today ah thinking about gas
0: mileage a bottle of Gum Out Fuel Injector Cleaner can clean your entire system and help your engine get more MPGs. Right now, you can get two bottles for only $7, a great deal to help you go a good deal farther. Find Gum Out Fuel Injector Cleaner and everything you need for better fuel efficiency at any of our 6200 stores. Get
2: inside, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.
3: Are
1: you following ESPN Wichita 92.3 on social media? Check us out on Facebook and Twitter
3: by searching at ESPN Wichita for the latest podcasts, breaking sports news, special giveaways, broadcast schedule, and so much more. Plus, you can visit ESPNWichita.com to listen to our daily national and local sports programming by streaming live or downloading our podcast. It's all on ESPN Wichita 92.3, Wichita's all-sports radio station at ESPN Wichita on social media, and online at ESPNWichita.com. A couple more things to get to before we get to the second hour of the show.
0: Thanks
3: for tuning us in. Shane Dennis' show continues. Yours truly, Jack Johnson. Alongside, we've been talking about Eric Biennemi and what's next for him um, One way or another, Jack, yes or no, he's coached his last game in Kansas City. Is he hmm. coming back in any capacity?
0: I'm going to go that he is. I think for some reason I'm leaning towards Washington who would hire Greg Roman over Eric Bieniemy. So I think Bieniemy's going to be back. I think it's really just his spot to lose. I'm sure they tell him that every single year. If you don't get a job, the job's you yours. Come back here? Yeah, it's, okay. it's wide open for you.
3: All right. Uh, now, as it uh, as it pertains to the offensive players under EB, if he stays, it looks like Kansas City's in pretty good shape as far as people leaving via free agency on the offensive side. We, we covered the defense yesterday. Now, one of the upcoming free agents has decided to shut it down, and that was Chad Henney. So he is uh, scratched off the list. To me, there's only two of any kind of significant – man, that's a terrible way to put it. There's only two that would really uh, garner a lot of hand-wringing and real, real looking in the mirror like, can we we live without these guys? And I think you even have to squint a little bit to draw that conclusion – that we will be worse off if we don't have these guys. The guy at the top of the list, though, is Orlando Brown, Jr. Um, There's been some chatter that the Chiefs would slap the franchise tag on him again. They can do it one more time. I think I'm right about that. And um, because they're clearly not interested in signing him to a long-term deal, either at Orlando Brown's asking price or, or period but if they slapped the franchise tag on him again, he'd get around $16, $18 million, something like that. Um, he's at the top of the list, Jack. I don't think there's any question about that. So how important is Orlando Brown Jr. really? He's been a kind of a polarizing figure on that offensive line.
0: I've gone back and forth on this a handful of times because at the beginning of the year I'm going, hell no, don't pay him. If he wants to be the highest paid left tackle, let him go be that for somebody else. Because the Chiefs have shown they can kind of just placeholder guys. You know, Andrew Wiley was the right tackle all year long, and I don't think anybody believed Andrew Wiley would be a starting right tackle for the Chiefs for all 20 games this year. It just You wouldn't have believed him, and he was still fine. At the same time, left tackle is a little bit more important. Orlando Brown Jr. got a hell of a lot better as the season progressed. I would franchise tag him, and I'd give him one more year to prove that he could be a long-term left tackle in Kansas City. I'm not there yet to give him that five, six-year, big, big-time money contract, but I'm okay with the franchise tag, a 16 $17, 18000000 per year. I think that is pretty safe to do when the left tackle position is so important and Orlando Brown Jr. really finished the year at a strong
3: rate. And the rest of these guys I don't even think are in the ballpark with Orlando Brown Jr. Not dollar figures either, I'm, but I'm talking about – considering uh, moving heaven and earth, or at least semi, to keep them on the team. You stop me if there's somebody that you disagree with. Nick Allegretti, Shane Bouchelle, although they do like him as the, uh, whatever, third or fourth quarterback, uh, Jody Fortson, Justin Watson, Nicole Hardman, Jarek McKinnon, who's almost 31, Blake Bell, who is 31, Michael Burton, Ronald Jones, those are your free agents, unrestricted or else or otherwise. I don't know that, hmm, how many of them are on the team next year? One or two, maybe. And the one, the other guy, that is kind of honorable mention to Orlando Brown Jr. would be Juju Smith-Schuster. They got him for a song this past year, and I would say he... Generally speaking, outperformed his contract. If for no other reason than catching six six balls in the Super Bowl. Um, now, of course, Kansas City is going to be on the lookout uh, in the free in the free agent market for another wide receiver if Juju walks or if they don't want him back um, to his asking price. But there's one, uh, well, at least one, one or two. Uh, guys at that position that I think the Chiefs could at least replace him, if not upgrade at uh, wide receiver. And there are more than a handful of guys out there at wide receiver that would be available. But does Juju Smith Schuster come back? Because I don't get the uh, I don't get the feeling that he is.
0: Well, when he was at Raising Canes yesterday in Olathe, he was telling all the fans he's going to run it back. So maybe he's wow. just saying that. Say so he wants to stay there if they give him the big time money, but Juju's probably going to get somewhere in the ballpark of a three year deal. Uh, I would say probably around fifteen to sixteen million would be my guess. Maybe a little bit cheaper than that. But Kansas people, City
3: people like Super Bowl rings, Jack. They I don't do. If they, knew that or
0: not. they do, and maybe Juju would say, "Hey, I'll even take a little bit of a discount because I know this team's going to be right back near the Super Bowl next time, uh, this next season, and maybe he doesn't want to go somewhere like." I don't know. Let's just – we talk about Washington, Washington or Carolina or Atlanta and make, you know, 15 mil a year, 16 mil a year and be catching passes from Desmond Ritter or catching yeah. passes from Sam Darnold. I mean, nobody wants to see that. Juju doesn't like, want to see that.
3: I like Juju, but there are about four Jujus on the free agent market that I bet would be cheaper than him.
0: And look at what Kansas City did last year. I mean, they, they went out and got Juju, got MVS, got Sky Moore, got Kadarius Toney, and won a Super Bowl. So they probably go into this thinking, hell, we can win a Super Bowl with whoever the hell is catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. Not saying you have Marcus Kemp as your number 1 wide receiver, but I think as you sort of progress through this team that's on the cusp of a dynasty, just try to use a little bit of a blueprint as New England did. Every time New England had a guy come up on contract, they let him walk. (laughs) They Mm -hmm. never extended him because they knew – We'll just go out and get somebody else, and they're going to be just fine in this offense. As long as you find guys that fit the offense, can fit the scheme well, you're going to win a lot of football games. And as you just pointed out, there's four jujus out there in free agency. And I think at times, fans, we we get a little bit sentimental, we get nostalgic. When you win a Super Bowl, you never want to see that player walk away, one of the guys that won you a ring. And Juju was one of the main guys in Kansas City. Of course, his name alone, a TikTok star. I know A.J. AJ Brown hammered that point yesterday on Twitter. But he also (laughs) was this team's true number 1 wide receiver. So you have that nostalgia feel that if you go into the offseason, you don't want to see Juju go play for another team. But at the same time, when you are Brett Veach and you have all these draft picks and you have money to spend... I always go back to the one point that they didn't pay Tyreek Hill. Not saying Juju's going to get Tyreek Hill money, but the Chiefs are not going to bend over backwards for players asking for more than the Chiefs would offer him. The Chiefs usually set their asking price and go, you want it? You can take it. I'm not going above that because we can find somebody that will take that contract and can probably give us the same production as you did. It's a harsh, cruel business, but it's also why the Chiefs are marching down Kansas City right now in a parade and other teams are overpaying guys because of nostalgic feelings because they never want to let those true guys, those fan favorites, walk away. Juju's a fan favorite, and if they do let him walk, I hope the best for him. I hope he gets big-time money, but if he's also his back, I'm not going to complain either because he was a very effective receiver in Kansas City.
3: Byron Pringle's a free agent. Alan Lazard's a free agent. Jacoby Myers is a free agent. And they're all, although Pringle's 29, um, Lazard and Myers at or near the age that Juju is, if you're concerned about that, if you're into that. And DJ Chark is a free agent at age 26. Um, Nikhil Harry, if you believe in his talent. And you got the Patrick Mahomes factor in all this. Regardless of what you think of Jacoby Myers having Mac Jones throwing him passes, or Byron Pringle having Justin Fields throwing him passes, you got to kind of adjust your sights a little bit when you pick up a free agent, and what kind of a pet does that put in their step because they get to play with Pat, Patrick Mahomes. You can't, uh, you certainly can't overlook that. So we'll see what the, see what the Chiefs do offensively in free agency uh, once that calendar year or that fiscal NFL year starts. And you can start going after players. It's 101. We need to get to the second hour because we're right on top of the hour. The can't equip KCH Red Zone Hour. I have to tell you about Twitter and some headlines coming up next.
2: Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN
0: Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton.